Welcome to Manager Tools. The Tyranny of Unpublished Processes, Part 2. Here we go. This podcast answers these questions. Should processes be published or shared? Why should processes be published? And what's a good way to publish them? By registering for a free account on the Manager Tools website, you'll be officially joining the fold. We know you're out there. We have 2 million listens of our podcasts every month. Don't make this the only time we get to talk. If you want to hear more from us, more on how we can help you become a more effective manager and more productive professional, sign up now. More communication is better. We believe at Manager Tools, you become more valuable when you document and publish your shared processes, okay? To publish your process, your part of a process, is to be collaborative, to invite others to offer suggestions. To publish is to capture for future participants because we believe we will be creating more value in a different role with increased responsibilities in the future. To capture what you know and to publish it is to allow immediate communication versus, say, episodic transfers. And and that's, look, guys, that's only the beginning. If you do work that others add to or support or have to communicate about or measure or report on, the professional approach is to publish the process. Absolutely. Part of the problem with undocumented and therefore, of course, unpublished processes really We've seen this before, right? We saw it during the re-engineering boom of the 90s. And while some people may remember that as a time of layoffs or even a politically palatable cover for layoffs, BPR had inarguable roots in both efficiency and effectiveness. Companies, of course, were caught trying to re-engineer processes that weren't published. And the hours and the time and the energy it took to discover what the existing process was made BPR a death match for many death March. Sorry. Uh, and of course, no pun intended. Yeah. Basically the idea behind reengineering was let's, you know, the, the, as I recall, the first article was by Michael Hammer who wrote the book reengineering the corporation, I think with somebody else. Uh, but he was the, the, the leader of the idea and his, the, the, the beginning of it was an article it was probably HBR, but it might have been Sloan Review basically saying, you know, don't automate things. This is when we competing power really started to advance in the 90s. He basically said, get rid of everything. Start over again, right? You have created organization. Modern organizations have become so sclerotic, so burdened with things that are unnecessary. The example I use of the monkeys is we've got – Three or four people working on a process, and one person leaves, another person leaves, another person leaves, another person leaves. And people begin to not question the process because they weren't there when it was set up. And it was, well, I don't know. This is what the process is. And, and the person who oversees these people go, are you kidding me? You can't. You, do, you, do you not understand why? Can you, can you not intuit the why of this process? No, I'm sorry, I can't. And in fact, nobody taught me the why. Nobody actually taught me the process. In fact... All I got was an email, which I've since updated with another email to somebody else because I was shocked that it took somebody four or five hours a week and they said there were only three steps in the process. And I figured, holy Toledo, I better write down what I've got here because nobody stays in this job more than 13 to 18 months. And yet 
it's not written down. And so none of us really know. We just know sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. But but the why is lost. And one of my favorite phrases is, he who has a why can tolerate almost any how. Yeah. But the why is completely lost. And in reengineering, you mentioned reengineering in the 90s. I saw it happen. I mean, the reason why it was so painful was not because the idea of reengineering was inherently bad. It's because companies literally didn't know internally on small scale how they created value. And in fact, the misery of reengineering is what caused people to say to heck with it. We're not going to do that. We're going to keep our company small. We're going to get really conceptual, really theoretical. We're going to farm out everything else because you get big, you get old. You get old, you die. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to make an exception to this, and I probably should have said this earlier. I alluded to it earlier, but the exception to this argument, guys, and actually it's part of the problem, is our digital devices right now, our smartphones, and they make it easy for us to have what has become known as workflows and life hacks. Mm. Just Google those words and get a billion hits. Workflows. And that in 2018 now is more likely to be a geeky, nerdy kind of personal productivity concept are the difference between workflows and processes. Workflows generally, there are people who would argue about this, but I, my experience with workflows is they are personal, not organizational, but personal step-by-step processes for accomplishing usually routine or repetitive tasks. You know, you want to create a custom RSS feed for morning headlines, or you want to create a, a maybe every week or two weeks or month, you have to create an Excel document and you need to create every single time it involves a standard pivot table for product sales over time and territories, for instance, or you want the ability to automatically send an email containing a deliverable for you in it to your task management software. There are hacks or workflows that you can download. And um, Zapier is an example. Um, and we've had, I think we've had Wade, the CEO of Zapier on the show. And I've certainly, I think, talked to him about it. Those are all generally personal. I'm sure I'm going to get emails saying, no, it's not just personal. I'm not saying it is only personal, but generally speaking, we're making a distinction here between workflows and life hacks, which, by the way, we used to just call those habits (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and processes, which I may be a part of. I have a series of tasks that I own that I'm uh, responsible for, but exist outside of me and other people's work are involved in it. And, you know, we used to have habits, things like knowing the fastest way to get to work, despite morning traffic, how mm-hmm. to save time in an airport, whom to ask first among your boss's peers or your boss's boss's peers, if you're going to start pre-wiring something, those are things that you would know that would help you probably individualistically. Before smartphones and automation, your personal habits, the ones you developed yourself, weren't shared. And frankly, guys, we're not suggesting that you need to publish those. There's no need to do it. Now, I would argue it'd be good to do. Why wouldn't you want your colleagues whom you profess to care about 
to know better ways to do things. Oh gosh, you spend a half an hour a week fine tuning your RSS feed. Oh no, 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 no. Here, take, I'm going to, I'm going to email this, this workflow over to you, or Hey, download the software and, and I'll publish mine internally on the software. You can download it. I'll give it a name. Nobody else will know. I'll tell you what the name is. You can download it and it'll do it automatically for you. Right. Why wouldn't you want somebody else to save half an hour a week? Unless you approach your organization as it's a bunch of individuals and the pile of rewards is so small, you must do everything you can to step over the dead bodies of your colleagues whom you have slain in order to get that tiny morsel at the top of the stairs. Yes, your RSS feed is going to get you over those dead bodies. Yeah. And unfortunately, the reason I mention that is because a lot of people, I do think, are using the word workflow to describe organizational processes. And therefore, since I don't share my own individual workflows, and now we're talking about organizational workflows, therefore, I don't need to share them. I don't need to share processes. I don't need to publish them or whatever. Right. But processes are different from personal workflows, right? (laughs) Processes are not the same thing because processes actually involve other people and other parts of the organization. I mean, it's great that you can get to work faster, but if you're the only person in the car, that's different than being the person who, you know, there's a chain of people who use and consume and digest your work and efforts. And so if what you're doing affects somebody else, it is not right to hold it so close to the vest that they cannot benefit from the process that gets them the output they need. I mean, the idea that, oh, we want to know where our food comes from, right? I Right now I live in Austin and everybody wants to know where the groceries came from. And, you know, that's, that's a big idea right now. I, I want to know where all these things came from. I want to have the yeah. background. I can't have these vegetables, how far were they grown from my home and things like that. And I'm not against that. I do think though that asking those kinds of questions is akin to the idea of sharing our processes. We're asking all the people around us to share their processes. And yet we see that sometimes people don't want to share their own, which is a form of tyranny. And guess what? We're not willing to stand for it from others. Why then would we allow that same behavior in ourselves, right? That the selfish control of information, because that's of course designed to benefit the individual, even if unintentionally at the expense of the organization. And it's not something that we want to invest in. And at least now we have technological tools. There's a lot of tools out there that allow publishing to be easy. I mean, there's all kinds of things out there. Um, I can think of five different mechanisms for sharing those processes so that they're published as opposed to just emailed or verbally communicated, things like that. Yeah, I'll drive Mike crazy with this by saying (laughs) the next step in this idea is for manager tools to be not a repository, but a clearinghouse of processes that people can share Within reason, there are some things that are obviously confidential. And I'll give you a good example of it, our onboarding checklist. Uh, Folks, if you haven't listened to our cast on onboarding, which came out in the last eight months, we're we're recording this in late 2018, 
2018, but in the sometime in 2018, I'm pretty sure it was, we put out an onboarding, a series of onboarding casts and included in it was a lot, a spreadsheet that you can use and modify it. You can download the spreadsheet if you're a licensee and it has logic in it that tells you if, if a task, you, you can edit it. And then the tasks that are left can be green, amber, red, and you can keep track of all the things that you need to do to onboard somebody, which is part of effective hiring, obviously. But those are the kinds of things. I'll, I'll connect two things that seem pretty far away here. We did a podcast. I can't remember the title of it. I want to say it's If Not You, Who, where one of the concepts in professional life, particularly executive professional life, is if there are four or five directs to a CEO who's retiring or moving on or whatever, the board in succession planning will go to each of the people who report to that CEO, or maybe even the CEO will do it and say to them, she'll say, if I wasn't going to pick you to replace me, who would it be? And basically, you want to be the first on everybody's list. How would you become first on everybody's list? Would you become that way because you're just more ruthless and smarter and better? My experience is ruthlessness and smarts are in generous supply in lots of places. But on the other hand, the person who's always willing to help, who's always willing to collaborate, who's always willing to take 80 or 70 or even 65% of a solution or a win because they want other people to be included in that win, that's the person that makes you first on everybody's lips in the not if not you who discussion. And that requires collaboration. This is a classic case of organizations saying, we want you to be collaborative. And everyone's saying in interviews, oh, I'm a collaborative person. Okay, put your money where your mouth is. Be a part of the collaboration that says, the organizations say, one of the ways we're going to be more collaborative here is if the processes we use uh, that others will have to use, gosh, if you do well, within a year when we promote you or move you to the role you really want to, you're going to have to publish those processes. And by the way, the more processes we have published, the, the faster things happen more generally. So hopefully we've made the case that you not publishing your part of a process. You're not responsible for the whole process, perhaps. Or if you are, if you are, if you do have process ownership, those people who are part of the process, um, you're much more likely to have them start publishing if you're the process owner and you ask for it as opposed to just randomness. So we stand by our guidance and that brings us to our next point, which is, again, I'm shocked I had to write this, but in talking to people about this, Kate, I, I was blown away. Sharing, telling people about what you do is not publishing. Publishing is different, right? Yeah. It's, we've got an analogy here that's really great because by publishing, we don't mean just telling your colleagues what steps you take to get the work done so that they understand it. Right. We don't mean just sending an email because, of course, those are temporal and episodic and therefore evanescent. Organizations don't want that. They don't want... Right. Because, again, it still requires you to be available to share. So sharing is, in fact okay, I'm still here, so I can give you this information, but it still requires me, the person. Verbal sharing, therefore, doesn't cut it. Because if you were to move on, if you win the lottery, if you move away, if something happens, if you get your dream job, verbal sharing won't cut it because you won't be available. And so by these standards, by the standards we've discussed, 
Email doesn't count either, right? Verbal sharing doesn't count. Email is a little better than verbal in that there's a record of what you recorded. And so somebody can email that to somebody else. So it is a little easier to publish or to continue that learning. Email, in fact, while better is not, of course, best because it doesn't invite input or change. If you email it to someone, they can't tell you, oh, hey, I need this change or things like that. It's it's not about learning. Yeah, there's a small exception to that. I asked some people to email me processes, and what I got were paragraphs of things they did and thought about. Now, it's guys, it's entirely possible you could email your process, and it would be an attached spreadsheet or an attached bit of task management software. Okay, sure. I'm, I'm okay with that. But that's not what we mean by emailing. I, I'm talking about an email that looks like every other email that says, here are the things I do around this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're right. Email and verbal don't cut it. Uh, email's slightly better, but but it's going to get lost. You know it's going to get lost. Publishing, though, is different, and it's not sharing, because publishing something means making it available at any time to anyone within reason. Obviously, we're not suggesting you put it on the web for everybody. There are some things that are valuable for organizations to keep close hold. If you think about a book being published, that's the analogy to keep in mind. The author doesn't know with whom she is sharing her work or the time and place of the knowledge transfer. Publishing is a process to allow unknown, at this time, third parties to learn what they want to. That's it. You have to get it out of your head in a form that'll allow somebody else to learn it without you helping them learn it. Right. Freedom of information. Yeah. That's where we get back to fluid internal talent markets. The idea, again, too, if we're we're talking about the tyrannical nature of processes that are secret, right? I mean, this is the idea of the dictatorship or something where they won't allow people to share information, right? And of course- if your work is available for anyone else to utilize and and learn from, that's the opposite of this. And it's funny. I mean, I know, I think a lot of people like the idea of other people liking their work and, and yeah. wanting to, to see it and use it. But at the same time, we're greedy about keeping it close enough to the vest that nobody else can use it or learn from it. And it's dangerous yeah. to our organization. I would say this. I think most people, I probably should have said this earlier in the cast. Uh, and this is one of those moments that I'm sure five years from now I'm going to be asked, do you remember the cast in which you said this? Because it's not in the show notes. Most people think of the opposite of tyranny as freedom. And in, in theory, that's right. And so therefore, we have a, a lot of individualistic assertions of freedom uh, in organizations today. But keep in mind when it comes to freedom, guys, the freedom without discipline is chaos. Discipline without freedom is tyranny. We're suggesting that you have your freedom and you accept some discipline on the freedom to get the benefit of collaboration that exists when people come together for a common cause, which is your organization's mission. And I think that seeing it as black or white is missing the point. It's not pure freedom. It's freedom within some disciplines, within some parameters. And one of the parameters that organizations ask for is 
gosh, will you make it available to the next person? It's a matter of courtesy. It's a matter of trust that we're going to take care of you. And if you do well, we're going to give you more to do. And if you're worthy of making, let's say, $150,000 a year, when in fact, you're only making 100, I want you making 150 because that means you're doing more valuable, more valuable stuff for the organization. And I want somebody who used to be making 75 to now be doing something that you used to do at 100. That's a recipe for higher productivity and internal productivity leads to profitability as well. Okay. So in talking about, in making the distinction, as you said, between sharing and publishing, we also have to say that even though our digital technological world have made this argument more messy with the concept of workflows and personal life hacks and smartphones that do cool stuff for you and give you speech to text and all that kind of stuff. The fact is what we're asking for you to publish, the way we want you to publish is so easy thanks to technology. Uh, it's almost trivial. When we get to the how, which took us way longer than it should have, unfortunately, because today in the connected world we live in, all you have to do to publish your process or your part thereof of the process is to put it into an online shared spreadsheet. And obviously, share you can't share it with everybody. You share it within reason internally in your firm and invite other people to add their portions to the process that you put up there. Hey, guys, I just thought it'd be helpful. This, uh, this Friday, I was waiting for a meeting and I had 15 minutes and I captured my 17 or 20 steps that I do on a monthly basis to put together the boss's back brief to his boss about what's going on thought, you know, maybe if we put it all down there, it'd be helpful. And I'd be interested, anybody who, anybody who can see anything that could be made more efficient or effective, I'd love to hear about it. Just want to let you know. That's it. I mean, it's literally that easy, it, yeah. at least in theory. Now, this is manager tools, and we're going to get down in the weeds a little bit. You'll probably discover that what you think of as your process is actually not the tasks you do. Most people discover the first few times they do it that documenting measurable tasks is harder than you think. I'll give you a perfect example. The word and in a task usually means it's not a task, it's two tasks. Not always, but usually. Most of us think of four or five things we kind of do at the same time as a task, when in fact, that those things you were doing are likely four, five, six, seven, or even eight tasks that are measurable and documentable and statusable, if you will. And most of you who are licensees, if you've looked at the onboarding checklist, you know what we mean by this. It's very specific. It's very, very crunchy. The individual tasks are very organic. I mean, a single cell organisms. And we get really granular. Yeah. Uh, and if, if the word measurable bothers you, just to be clear, let's go back to our theme here. It's wrong to assume that it's tyranny for your organization to want to measure things. The idea that you don't want the company to measure you is, I mean, of course, individuals say, oh, I, I don't want to be measured. But the organization is measured constantly in the marketplace. And if the external part of your organism or organization is being measured in the marketplace all the time, but internally there aren't enough measures, admittedly, there may be wrong measures. I understand that. 
If the internal part of your organization is not in stasis with the external environment it lives in, that organization, that organism is going to die. If the organization is being measured, and it is because society is ruthless in its judgments, then its internal inhabitants also have to be measured. So yeah, you want to publish it. And yeah, you want to measure it. And when people say, gee, you're only at 84% and they don't have their part published, you could say, yeah, you're at zero. Oh, no, no, I'm not at zero. I'm probably at 92%. You know what? You can claim anything you want, buddy. You might as well claim a billion percent because if it ain't, pro- if it ain't published and you don't have it organic, if you don't have it granular and you're not willing to have it measured, claim all you want. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, in fact, I would argue, even if you're only at 50%, but you're published, you're going to get to 90% a lot faster than somebody who's not published. And then that person, if they're not willing to publish, is going to get real big at hiding things, which is going to, at some point, tick off the boss. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, fun. Good times. (laughs) Yeah, good times. Uh, Time to look for another job. (laughs) The fact that you know your own process is... A bit of a silly concept. Of course you do, right? <laughs> right. That's how that works. And when it comes to value in the organization, it's almost never what one person knows, but it's about what the organization does. And of course, doing requires knowing, which requires communication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the taxes we all pay for the benefit of organizational magnification of effort is public sharing of the processes. And you don't have to share your personal workflow or how you get to work in the morning or, you know, those kinds of things. You don't have to share your effectiveness or your efficiency rules, although we do recommend that in some cases you should and it would be helpful. You are obligated to share the processes that everyone else may have to use to create value. Yep. That means almost everyone. Anything else, any other behavior around your processes and publishing them is selfish. And within an organization, that's tyrannical behavior, even if acknowledging it's a tiny scale. Yeah, it's like you said, withholding information is the essence of tyranny, right? Mm-hmm. And what do dictators want to do? They want to control the flow of information. That's what they want. That's what you're doing. And we love you guys. We don't really think you're dictators or tyrants. But you've got to be aware of how your behavior affects the organization. And that's why Manager Tools is here. Absolutely. Hope this is helpful. Guys, see you next week. And Kate, it's great. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, dude.